look with me for just a few moments. We're going to be all over. As we've considered the, the strengthening work and the, the work that kills, uh, we've considered some things. Now, we're going to, we're going to be in this, this uh, series for quite a while because there's much that we're going to deal with and, and see that the Lord desires for us. And as we've already kind of touched on, we've looked at God's Word and how it strengthens our lives. Uh, we've looked at uh, the, the surrendering work within our lives and surrendering our lives to the Lord and saying, Lord, whatever you have for us, we, we say yes to. And we've also looked at how pride kills. Now, I know you're probably thinking we're going to alternate back and forth. We're not going to necessarily do that. We're going to see where the Lord takes us. We, uh, we see much that kills and much that strengthens. But this morning, we draw our attention to a life that lived out prayer. Paul was, was an individual whose life was completely uh, changed, uh, completely transformed as he, he got saved and lived a life that was no longer persecuting the church, no longer persecuting the, the child of God, but now he was sharing the gospel. As he went into towns, his one goal, his one aim was to preach the gospel. As he went into towns, his one goal, his one aim was to show people that they were in need of a Savior and that he knew that Savior because he had met that Savior and that Savior had changed his life and could too change their life. And as you come to the life of Paul, you begin to see much that the Word of God deals with. Over the entire course of Scripture, you'll find over 600 times close to that the word prayer, the subject matter of prayer or praying in a passage of Scripture is dealt with. As you begin to think about that, close to 600 times that it is dealt with, I'd say it's pretty important. And you say, well, I'm, I'm just not sold on it being that important that we, we need to pray. I'm not sold that, that the church needs to be a church that prays or our family needs to be a family that prays or I myself, that I, that I need to be a prayer warrior, if you would. I'm not sold that, that me praying is going to change things, that me praying is going to, to, to help the matter, that me praying is going to change my life and influence my life and all of those many things. You say, I'm just not buying into that. Just because you say that close to 600 times it's dealt with doesn't mean that it's that important. Well, let me draw your attention to a couple of things. And if you were to say that you don't believe it's that important, then let me just share a couple of things with you concerning the life of Christ. Because if you were right this very moment saying you don't believe that prayer is important, then let me just influence you in a couple of ways. In his temptation, Jesus prayed. And at his baptism, Jesus prayed. Throughout his ministry, Jesus prayed. His death, Jesus prayed. He prayed in public. He prayed in private. He prayed on religious holy days, and he prayed on the ordinary days. He prayed for those who hated him, and he prayed for those who loved him. He taught on prayer, and he lived out in prayer. Now, I don't know about you, but just because you were to come to the place and you say close to 600 times, you're saying that eh, that is important. I'm not buying that. Well, if Jesus sees that it's fit to pray, then I believe we ought to see that it's fit to pray. You see, Jesus is our greatest example. This morning, we're looking at the life of Paul, and we're going to see that Paul was an individual prayer, that the Lord worked in his life, that, that Paul prayed, and he didn't just pray, uh, you know, random prayers. He didn't just pray uh, uh, the same prayer over and over and over again. But as a matter of fact, we're going to look to this morning and see that Paul was an individual that understood that, that prayer changed things, and he prayed in a very specific way, if you were to say it that way. Now, prayer is something that as we, we come to realize some things, and, and these are just a couple of things that, that pass along to you that I pray a help, will, will be a help to you, but if you were just to study Paul's prayers. In the book of Ephesians, Paul begins to pray, and as he is praying for some things, he's praying for God's glory. As a matter of fact, we're going to look at those verses here in a few moments. 
Paul begins to pray for the glory of God. As you go and you come to the book of Philippians, you'll see that Paul is praying for fullness, if you would. And we're going to see some things concerning that as well. If you were to go and you were to look in the book of Colossians, you'll see that Paul is praying for knowledge. And as you travel through each of these books, you'll find that even along the way in some of these books, Paul stops for a few moments and prays for something specific. And as you come to realize the importance of prayer, and you come to realize the importance of prayer, not only in the life of Christ, but Paul saw fit in other individuals. You go to Daniel, and Daniel's just been commanded that he's not allowed to pray. He goes and he opens his door, his windows to Jerusalem, and he begins to pray. You go and you think about the, the, the three Hebrew boys and you begin to think about the influence they had. You think about those that went throughout the process as you think about Nehemiah who he's just been brought the news. What does he do? He stops and he prays. You go to the New Testament and you begin to think about Jesus teaching on prayer. And he comes and he's just been praying and he goes to the disciples and he says, what, you couldn't stay awake? Hey, I've been praying, you couldn't pray? Hey, he begins to elaborate and he begins to deal with the subject matter of prayer because Prayer is not about what you're saying, it's who you're praying to. You see, the Lord is the one who is the difference maker. And so as you begin to think about prayer, prayer is more than just saying a few words. Sometimes we look at prayer and we only come to the Lord in prayer when we need something or we want something. But one of the greatest things that we have to come to the realization about when it comes to prayer is it's not always what we're saying, it's just very simply spending time communing with our Heavenly Father. And so you've come to this, this passage of Scripture, and we're going to look at some things this morning and realize that not only does the Word of God strengthen, not only does surrendering our lives strengthen us, but then we come to one of the hardest things in the Christian life to do, and that is to pray. You see, sometimes it's even easier as we wake up every single day, we, we set aside a specific amount of time. We say, all right, Lord, I'm going to read your Bible. We, we begin to walk through maybe a devotional guide or maybe we have a, a passage of Scripture we're working through or a book of the Bible and we make it an emphasis that we're going to read that. Reading sometimes can be easier than spending time in prayer because as you're reading, you're reading and you're just looking at the words and you're trying to process those words. But as you come to the the life of an individual who is trying to pray, now you begin to get into an intense battle. You're getting into an intense battle with your will. Lord, do I want to pray what you would have for me to pray? Or, Lord, am I only focused on what I want and what I need? Lord, all of a sudden you're beginning to pray and the next battle is not only what you want or what you need that you're trying to stay away from because you're trying to spend time just communing with the Lord. But now all of a sudden your mind is drifting. Now all of a sudden you're yawning. I was having a conversation. Brother Joe and I went out yesterday and we were soul winning buddies. And uh, we were sitting in the Jeep, and I was, I was talking to him. And from the, the ride to the church to where we were going soul winning, I yawned probably five or six times. And I remember we were talking, and I said, I do not know why I'm yawning. I just keep yawning. If I were to yawn right now, the entire audience would yawn because they're contagious. It's just one of those things. And you begin to think about, though, that as you labor in prayer, sometimes you're weary and you're tired. I remember there was a gentleman by the name of Roman and Roman, whenever I played basketball, my, my, I want to say it was my senior year, my first semester senior year, I was over on the church campus and I was an RA of one of the, the, the dormitories over there on the church campus. And Roman was an individual who he would come to me and he'd ask, hey, if you're gone, can I use your room to study? Because I had my own room. I'd say, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. And so he'd, he'd come in there, and I'd be on an away trip, and I'd come in maybe 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, sometimes midnight or later after a basketball trip, and we'd come into the dorm, and, and uh, there would be times whenever Roman would be studying, and he'd be, he'd be asleep studying sometimes. 
And uh, he, he would do everything he could to stay awake. But there would be sometimes whenever I'd walk into the room, and as I would walk into the room, Roman would be over there and he would be studying. And one of the things that he would do occasionally is he would close out his evening of study, he said, by praying. I'd walk in the room sometimes, and you know how awkward this is. You walk in your room and, and, or in a room and you, you think someone is praying. And uh, I'd walk in that room and Roman would be on his knees just like this. And he'd be like this. I'd walk in the room at 12 o'clock at night or 1 in the morning. And I'd walk in the room, and, and I'd bust through the room. I, I'm open the door, the lights are off, and I see Roman like this. So I try to casually walk in, and I can't tell if he's praying at that moment. You know how, how, how this is. And so you, you walk in, and you're, you walk into a prayer meeting, and everyone's real quiet. So I walk in the room, and Roman's right there. So I'm trying to teeter around. You know, I don't know if he's praying at this time. And there are certain times when Roman would be praying, and if I would walk in the room, I figured this out later on, that as I walk in the room, he'd perk up if he was awake and he was praying. But if he was asleep, there ain't no waking Roman up. I mean, I'm over there kicking him, nudging him. I know you're trying to be spiritual, but you're asleep right now, brother. You know, <laughs> trying to get him up. And those, those times you say, well, what are you trying to get at? I'm trying to get at prayer is a hard work. It's not an easy thing. You try to wake up early in the morning, you say, I'm going to make a, an effort to pray, and all of a sudden, you're, you're weary, you're tired. A long day before, you're trying to pray, and so prayer is work. Prayer doesn't just happen. You begin to look at people who are prayer warriors, you say, man, how do they pray like they work at it? And they don't just live in a life where they say, hey, I just naturally can pray. No, that's not how it works. Prayer is a spiritual work. Prayer is something that takes maximum effort because there's so much that goes into it. As a matter of fact, as you come to the New Testament, you see in the book of Romans, as the Bible says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I may mention of you always in my prayers. As you continue walking through Scripture, you see in the book of Philippians, the Bible says in verses 3 through 5, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all make a request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. 2 Timothy 1, 3, I thank, my, uh, thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience. Without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. I don't know about you, but I believe Paul understood that as he was going into these next towns, as he was going in to share the gospel, it wasn't just that the presence of Paul was going to bring revival. It wasn't that just because the presence of Paul was going to bring people to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Paul going into these towns was not what these people needed. Paul, with the gospel and the power of God, is what these people needed. You see, sometimes if we're not careful, we think that we are more than really what we are. We need God. We need the Lord. We need the Lord as we begin to pray. We need the Lord as we begin to labor. We need the Lord as we begin to do all that He desires for us to do. So you're looking at this right now and you're saying, hey, how am I going to strengthen myself and strengthen the church? And how are we as a church going to be strengthened in the matter of prayer? Notice three things. We won't be long this morning. We might have to continue this next week, but number one, we see in the book of 1 Thessalonians, go with me for just a moment there. <laughs> in the book of 1 Thessalonians, you come to chapter number 5 and verse number 18, and many of you know this. It's one of the, the, the greatest verses in Scripture that we memorized early on. The Bible says, as you continue walking down, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17 and 18, pray without ceasing. 
In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. As you begin to think about the power of the Lord working in our lives and bringing us to a place where we desire to serve and desire to pray and desire to long after the things of God, we must come to the place where we pray continually. As you go to the book of Ephesians for just a moment, go with me in the book of Ephesians chapter number 3. You begin to see that Paul is dealing with some of these things concerning praying continually. And he begins to elaborate on something that is so powerful at the very end of a verse. In the chapter 3, verse number 21, he says, Unto him be Glory. Now, early on, we dealt with this, but Paul was praying for many things. Paul was praying for knowledge. Paul was praying for fullness. Paul was praying for the glory of God. Paul was praying in regards to all of these many things. But in verse number 21 of Ephesians chapter number 3, he says, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Now, as you come to verse number 21, notice with me for just a moment, because we could look at this verse. And we could just casually keep on going. But notice in verse number 21, a couple of things. As it starts off, it says, unto him be glory. That is speaking of the direction in which we are praying. Unto him be glory. And it's not about me. It's not about what I can do. It's not about my prayer. It's all unto God. The Lord, unto you is speaking of the direction here. As he continues going on, he says, unto him be glory. He says, in the church, he's speaking of the demonstration about how it goes. You say, well, what are we going to do as a church if we're going to be a church that prays? Hey, we need to point all of the glory to God. It's not about us. We don't walk out of the church. Someone doesn't get up in the pulpit as we have a time of prayer. We say, hey, so-and-so come and pray. We're going to have a time of prayer. Someone doesn't get up in the pulpit and begin to pray. And as they're walking off, look out and say, yeah, that was a nice prayer. No, it's not about us. If you have that spirit, if you have that mentality about, hey, if anything of God is going to take place, if if the Lord is ever going to work, then it's only going to be because I pray. No, it's not about you. Unto Him. Demonstration, speaking of where it is taking place in the church. Notice what it goes on to says in the church, by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. That's that declaration. Man, one of the, the, the weakest things within the child of God's life oftentimes is the prayer life. We'll sit here tonight, or we'll sit here this afternoon, or we'll sit here this morning, and we'll talk about all the sports we can talk about until we're just tired of talking about it. And we'll talk about the hobbies we have. We'll talk about our kids, and we'll talk about the, 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 the home renovations. We'll talk about cars. We'll talk about the news. We'll talk about the, the weather. We'll talk about all of those many things. But when it comes time for us to labor in prayer, all of a sudden we become very quiet people, don't we? We're not willing to labor in prayer. We say, well, if it happens, it happens. No, I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss what God has for me. You say, well, that means you're going to have to labor in prayer. Well, then it's time to labor in prayer. You say, "Ah, it means that we're going to have to work at it. Well, then let's work at it for just a few moments here. Let's really consider these things. He goes on and he says, in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, speaking of the duration here, all glory unto him. World without end, amen. What a dedication that is there. And so you come and you begin to see that Paul, Paul understood some things. Paul understood, hey, if I'm ever going to get a glimpse of all that God can do, I've got to really focus on these things. Paul, as he is praying, he is praying continually. Pray without ceasing, the Bible tells us. As he comes and he understands this praying without ceasing, notice what he goes on to say in chapter number 5, verse number 18. In everything, give thanks. It doesn't say for everything. There's some things that I'll tell you, it's taken me some time to give thanks for. 
There's some things that I look back and say, Lord, you're telling me I need to give thanks for this and in this and this situation is hard for me to do. But as you continuously pray, you'll begin to realize some things about Paul as he is praying for specific people here. Notice a couple things about Paul's prayers. And we're going to look at some verses this morning that I pray will be a help to you. But as Paul was praying, as we've already dealt with, Paul was praying many times towards people or for people. As you looked in verse number, uh, chapter number 1 of Romans, verse number 8 9, For I thank my God through Christ Jesus for you all. In Philippians 1, 3 through 5, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. In 2 Timothy 1, 3, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with a pure confidence that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee. Paul was praying for and with and about and in situations with dealing with people. And so Paul was continuously praying. We're going to look at three things this morning that will be a help to us in our prayer life. The first one is Paul prayed continuously. Notice this about Paul. Paul was an individual that loved people. Now we've dealt with this this loving people thing. Loving people is a hard thing to do. We're laughing. I'm laughing. But we know it's hard. Let's be honest. Every single one of us this morning is unlovable as well. We're laughing sometimes because there are certain people we think about. For instance, I said people are hard to love. I might be thinking Jonathan is hard to love. Jacob might be thinking, huh, pastor is hard to love. In everybody's life, if we're really being honest, we're unlovable to some people. It's one of the most difficult things to really comprehend. You say, no, everybody loves me. No. (laughs) No, that's not the case. Loving people is a hard thing. Paul understood this. And Paul, as he is writing in Romans and 1 Corinthians and Philippians and Colossians, we see Paul letting the people know that, hey, I care for you. I love you. I'm praying for you. As you go and you begin to study the life of Paul, Paul understood that as he was praying for people, he was laboring in it, and it wasn't always an easy thing. Jesus, as you go and you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus didn't only pray for those who he loved and loved him, but he prayed for his enemies. It's a hard thing to do. Loving people is a hard thing to do. You say, well, how am I going to get to the place where I can truly show those people and love those people and let them know that I love them? Pray for them. You say, I just don't like doing that. It's the way. It's hard. You begin to realize those things. It was Andrew Murray who said, oh, let the place of secret prayer." Become to me the most beloved spot on earth. I love that quote because as you get a glimpse of who God is and you stop treating prayer as just another situation that you have to encounter or another uh, time frame that you've got to slot off or another uh, situation that is in your life that you say, I've got to do this. As you stop looking at it as something you've got to do and you start looking at prayer as something you get to do, you start to enjoy it so much more. Those times whenever you are sitting in your home And instead of watching TV or scrolling on your phone or doing this or that or wasting time sometimes, we could be in prayer. As you're driving sometimes in your vehicle and you're you're, you're thinking about this or thinking about this, would it do you some good to stop and just spend some time in prayer? As you're at your home and as a family, sometimes you might do some family devotions. One of the sweetest times for a family is to spend time in prayer together. I learned at a very early age, we were talking about this in our Sunday school class a couple of weeks ago, might have been last week, but growing up, my family did uh, um, devotions, and we always did devotions on Wednesdays. I don't understand why we did it on Wednesdays. 
I always wonder that. You know, we went to church on Wednesday, and we're coming home, and it's late, and we're going to do devotions. I was tired. And uh, going through as a, a child, I remember my, my stepdad would always lead the devotion time, and, and we would walk through Scripture, and then all of a sudden, there was five of us, and we would take turns praying. You know where I'm going with this. As a, a, a young child, I remember mine, my brother's, and my sister's prayers were very short. But it's amazing. My stepdad would turn what could be a five-minute prayer into a 45-minute prayer is what it felt like. And we, we used to joke when we were in Bible college, and uh, I don't know if some of you in Bible college had this happen to you, but in chapel services sometimes if you worked or you worked late hours, we, we used to give a hard time to, to college students. And, and uh, there were a couple of poses within chapel service or late Wednesday evening services that you would see in college students. The first one was this right here. Austin, you know what I'm talking about. He was the worst. Man, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. The second one was this right here. And, and hey, and you train yourself, right? You open the Bible, and this is you the whole service. Somebody looks at you and thinks, man, he's real spiritual. He's reading through the entire Bible this service. No. You're like this right here. You know, there are, there are a couple of poses that you would see that were taking place and you would, you would think that, man, all of this, it was, it was, you're weary. You're worn out. And as you begin to think about Paul and you begin to think about this statement, oh, let the place of secret prayer become to me the most beloved spot on earth. I remember those times occasionally that I had glimpses of what a, a prayer life could look like. Sometimes it was in, in the home. I remember sitting in that chair and praying for my daughter as she was in the hospital. I remember driving and getting that text message from Brother Harold. I remember uh, just praying in our home, Kelly and I, about certain things. I remember coming to a church service and the entire altar was full of people that were just laboring prayer and no preaching had even been done. I go to my mind in certain instances where I saw that, that either myself or someone or the church got a hold of what it really meant to pray. Can I share with you, those were some of the sweetest moments in my life. Within those moments where you're not looking at prayer as just an obligation, you're not looking at prayer as just something you have to do, but no, you're longing to do it. I remember that service. One of the most special services I've ever been a part of when the piano began to play and a young boy got on the piano and he began to talk about how the Lord knows our name and all the people in the service hit the altar. Why? Because you begin to realize, wait a second, he knows my name. He loves me. He knows all about me, but he still loves me. He knows all the wrong that I've done, but he still loves He knows all the wrong I'm going to do, but he still loves me. All of a sudden, you hit the altar and you start praying because of what a holy God that is and an unlovable person such as yourself. But there's a loving God that loves you and cares for you and longs for you to live for Him, and He still is working in your life. Prayer is not just another thing to do. No, man, come to the place where you long to spend time in prayer. 
Paul as he was dealing with this subject matter of praying continuously. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians and gives us some insight into Paul and how he relayed his love for people. He says, Now God Himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, all the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all saints. Paul was helping them to understand, hey, not only am I praying continuously, but I'm praying continuously for you because I love you. And I want you to understand that Paul was not someone who just prayed in private. He was willing to pray in public. He was willing to relay the information to those people that, hey, I'm praying continually and it strengthened me and I've understood and and, and grasped the, the, the importance of prayer, but I want you to understand I'm praying and I'm praying for you. I love you. You want to change your life? You want to see what God could do in your life? Become an individual that prays. You say, well, how often? Just pray. You say, well, how many times a day? Just pray. We've fallen into a trap within the Christian life sometimes, where we think we have to either pray in the morning or pray in the evening. Praying without ceasing is being in a spirit of prayer. Going throughout your day, the Lord deals with you, you stop right there and pray. You wake up in the morning, you start your day off with prayer. Maybe you're getting ready for the day and you're continuing in prayer. Maybe you're going throughout your day and something happens, you stop right there in prayer. Just a few minutes ago as I was going and I went to check on the nursery, Miss Kelly needed me. And she said, hey, I just got some information. Someone, so-and-so is sick and they need some things. And, and right then and there, as I was walking back, spent some time in prayer. It doesn't tell you, you don't have to, to bow your head and close your eyes right then in that moment and stop and tune everything out. You just are in a spirit of prayer. Lord, take care of this situation. Oh, Lord, this individual needs you. Lord, this, this situation. Lord, I want you to deal with this. Lord, give me wisdom here. Lord, give me discernment here. You're praying without ceasing. You're in a spirit of prayer. It's not about where you are. It's not about how long you pray. It's just simply praying. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we set all these boundaries. We say, it's got to be this way. It's got to be done this way. Or the, Listen, you learned really quick. Life isn't all, your circumstances are always perfect. You say, all right, every morning at 6.30, I'm going to start praying. Well, when 6.30 comes, it's not always going to be the perfect circumstance. You say, well, I guess I can't pray. No, no, you don't put a time limit on it. Just pray. You say, Lord, when I can spend time with you in prayer, I want to pray. Number two, pray for a burden. Pray for a burden. Paul had a burden for, for how these people lived. In the book of Ephesians, go with me there for just a few moments. In the book of Ephesians, you'll find in chapter number 3 that Paul cared about these people. It wasn't just a situation as we've already been to Ephesians chapter number 3. At the very end, he's praying for the fullness and the glory of God here. (laughs) But early on, he's praying because he has a burden for these people. Notice what he says. Because he prayed for how they lived. In verse number 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be, full, might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly all, above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory 
from the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Paul understood, hey, I have a burden for you. I have a burden for how you live. I have a burden. I want to see God do all that He can do in your life. Can I share with you? I believe if we were all being honest this morning, we would say we want to see what God could do with our lives. But it's not enough just to say that. You've got to labor through it. Some of you are some of the most gifted people in certain areas of life, and the Lord has gifted you with certain talents. But it's not enough just to say you have the talent. What are you going to do with those talents? It's not enough to say, hey, I've been gifted with this. Well, that's wonderful, but what are you going to do with it? It's not enough to say, hey, I'm able to do this. That's great, but are you willing to do that? It's not enough. You've got to labor through it. Paul understood this, and as he was praying, he goes on, and he is laboring in prayer and asking that they would understand this one principle. He asked this, that their faith would be lived out. Notice what the Bible says here. As he goes on, and he's dealing with this in verse number 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. One of the the most dangerous and one of the most difficult things within the Christian life is to live out our faith. You think about an easy example. You walk into the the presence of, of certain people and Maybe you've shied away from this, but somebody is trying to ask you questions about your faith and you're just trying to get that conversation to stop. Why? Because you're uncomfortable about living your faith out. Maybe you're in a public place and it's time to pray and, you know, you're going to pray and it's time and you're trying to kind of silently and quickly pray because you don't want to cause a scene. One of the things, anytime my stepfather comes into town, if you ever go out to eat, one of the things that he does is he, he waits. He, he, he goes like this right here. And we start holding hands. And he'll just, he'll just, he'll just stare at you until you grab someone's hand. Just... We going to pray? Yeah, pray. Grab a hand. <laughs> you know? And you're sitting there. He, he's not going to shy away from it. As a matter of fact, he's, he's very loud about those things. You think about the child of God, some of the things that we can do is living out our faith and the difference that it makes. Paul understood, hey, none of these things move me. Paul said, hey, I'm not going to be moved by these things. I'm not going to shy away from these things. And here's the why, because I've gotten a burden for the things of God. I want you to get a burden for the things of God. I believe every Sunday school teacher... I believe every children's worker. I believe that Brother John and Miss Elisa, I believe that in the ministries in which those that are leading those ministries, you have a burden that the people that are within those ministries and those that are sitting under the teaching of the Word of God, that they'd understand the importance of what God could do with their lives. I don't believe that as these young people are sitting on the front row, it is not my prayer that they just hear these things. No, my prayer is that they'd go and live it out. My prayer is that they'd get a burden for their friends. They'd get a burden for their family. They'd get a burden for their community and say, Lord, use me. You say, well, they're a teenager. That doesn't mean God can't use them. As a matter of fact, you go and study revival and you'll find some of the greatest revivals that ever took place started with these type of people right here. Young people. They got a burden. Living out your faith. Paul understood this. He, he goes on in verse number 17. He says, being rooted and grounded in love. Verse number 19, and to know the love of Past this knowledge. He might be filled with all the fullness of God. He wanted them to know the love of God. Go with me to the book of Philippians for just a moment. In the book of Philippians, you come and you see in verse number 10 that Paul starts off by saying that I may know him. I don't know about you. You say, hey, I, I really want to know the Lord. People ask those types of questions. Hey, how, how, did, you, how, how, do you, how did you get to this point in your Christian life? Or how, how did you grow? Well, I got in God's word and I spent time in prayer. 
You want to get to know the Lord? Get in His Word. Spend time communing with Him. You know, we, we make it sometimes more difficult than it needs to be. If you were right this very moment talking to a couple that has been married for uh, 30 plus years, you'd say, hey, hey, how did you, how did you make it 30 years? They'd say, well, we spent time together and we communicated. You say, for 30 years? Yeah, we spent time together and we communicated. You say, I want to know, I want to get to know the Lord. Well, spend time together and get to know Him. Spend time in prayer. Oh, man, that's just, that's just difficult. It takes work. Yeah, everything in life takes work. The truth of the matter is, it's not the, the, the simple fact that things don't take work. If you were to pick a career right now and you say, I want to flourish in that career, guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to work at it. You say, I want to become debt-free. Guess what you're going to have to work at it. You say, I want to be more athletic. You've got to work at it. You say, I want to be able to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. You've got to work at it. The truth of the matter is, we have to ask ourselves this question. Is it really a priority? If we are being honest this morning, many of us in our lives, it's not that we can't get in God's Word. It's not that we can't spend time in prayer. It's not priority. I know that's not the popular thing to say. I know that that's not something you say, hey, you're trying to encourage. Well, I'm trying to encourage you. Make it a priority. Paul wanted these people to understand, hey, to know the Lord. He says in verse number 10 of Philippians chapter number 3, he says that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection. And the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Paul had a burden for these things. Paul wanted them to understand, hey, I want you to grasp this. As a matter of fact, in Philippians chapter number 1, he is praying for their fellowship. In verse number uh, 3, he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel. You say, I want to pray more. I want to get serious about these things. Then spend time together. Spend time in fellowship. That's what he was talking about. He's got a burden for these things. His burden was that they would live their faith out, that they would know the Lord and love God and know the love of God and that they would fellowship together. One of the things that hinders fellowship within the church, hinders fellowship within churches fellowshipping together, within uh, Christians fellowshipping together, is that we have differences of opinion sometimes. We don't like this, or we do like this, and so because you like this and you don't like this, I'm not going to fellowship with you. Perfect example, just the other day, we were sitting in the car, and we were driving, and uh, we were driving to church, as a matter of fact. And one of the things we do when we get in the car is the very first thing that takes place is before I ever back out of the parking lot or back out of the driveway is I hit a little button on my Jeep, and it says source. I hit source, I go to Bluetooth, I pick my name, and I turn music on. Very first thing that I do. And we were driving to church, and I was listening to a song, and Kelly turned to me, and she said, I don't really like this song. I said, that's fine. And she, she said, I, you know, not to offend me, I said, I ain't offended. You don't have to like it. I like it. We don't, we don't have to agree about every song. There's some songs you listen to that I, I don't like either. That's why you have a playlist, and I have a playlist. <laughs> and guess what? We, we drove to church, and guess what we did? We still listened to that song. She got out of the Jeep that, that night. She didn't get out mad at me. She got out of the Jeep. I got out of the Jeep. I said, hey, it wasn't too bad, was it? And we still got along. Can I share with you, me and, me and you ain't going to agree on everything. But I'm not going to stop fellowshipping with you about it. And I'm not going to gossip about you. I'm not going to get mad at you. I'm not going to just stop hanging around you. No, that's okay. Paul was helping them to understand, hey, hey, one of the things you've got to grasp here is I'm praying for you. I've got a burden for you that you would know the Lord, that you would live out your faith, that you would fellowship together. 
Why did Paul understand this? Paul understood this because one of the great differences and one of the great dangers in the local church and in Christians' lives is that we tune everybody out because we don't line up 100%. I've seen this before. I saw it just a couple of years ago when the Burlington Revival was taking place. God was saving people in Burlington, North Carolina. Uh, There was a a revival that was started as a three-day, and it went on and on and on, and many souls were saved. These people that were being saved were not only being saved in that service, but they were then being plugged into church and being discipled. Well, all of a sudden, all of the the Facebook Christians jumped on. Well, there's no way that many people can get saved. Uh, there's, There's no way that that's really real. There's no way that that's taking place. The churches they're going to aren't good churches anyways. And guess what? Comment after comment, you go back and you look at those comments years later and you'll see that people were commenting saying, man, it's a shame what these Christians say about each other. It's a shame how much these Christians talk about they need to be in church and how godly they are, but they're not godly at all. Why? Because of differences of opinion sometimes. Paul understood, hey, you're not going to agree, but you can still love each other. As a matter of fact, as Paul prayed and he labored in prayer and he prayed for people, he found that it was much easier to love them. (laughs) It's a great challenge. Number four, we see that for them that they would flourish. As you go to Ephesians chapter number three, Ephesians chapter number three, look with me. We're wrapping it up this morning. In Ephesians chapter number three, you see that the Bible deals with this again in verse number 14 on down. As he goes and he says in verse number 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be fulfilled or might be filled with all fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Paul understood, hey, I don't want you just to get glimpses of who God is. I don't want you just to get glimpses of what God can do. I want you to get a glimpse of who He is and really understand that, man, God, you desire to work in me and you desire to work through me. And pray about it. Get serious about it. The final thing we see this evening or this morning is pray for the power of God. And I won't elaborate on this. I'll share with you this. The book of 1 Corinthians, you find in verse number 1, or chapter number 1, verse number 9, the Bible says, God is faithfulness. Now look, as you begin to pray for the power of God, as you begin to recognize the faithfulness of God, you'll find that it is the power of God in all matters of life. It is the power of God that saves. It is the power of God that guides and protects and strengthens and helps us and all of the many things. It is the power of God. And as you begin to think about that, you have to buy into the understanding that, man, I need to pray. If you were to go into a store this morning and you were to walk in that store and something catches your eye, you would say, I saw that. You go on about your day. You're, you're trying to not to, to, to think about it too much, but you just can't stop thinking about that. Do you need it? Probably not, but you're thinking about it. You saw it, now you're thinking about it. Now you have convinced yourself that you need it. Every husband has this conversation with their wife. I need this. No, you don't. I'm I'm serious. I need this. It might be backwards. Sometimes you wives do it. I need this. 
And so what happens next? You saw it. You thought on it. You convinced yourself you need it. You buy it. See, in the Christian life, as we see all that God's Word has to say, God says, hey, it's not enough just to see it. Think on it. Convince yourself that you need this. And then buy into this. As you you think about prayer, you've seen me work in prayer. Think on those things. Convince yourself that you need to pray. And then buy into prayer. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what stage of life you're in. But I do know this. You want to be a strong Christian? It's time to pray. You say, oh, well, what's going to change our nation? What's going to bring revival to our nation? Prayer. You say, oh, what's going, to, what's going to flip cities upside down? Prayer. What's going to bring people to the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Praying for them and sharing the gospel with them. Laboring in prayer. What's going to make a difference in these young people's lives? Praying for them. Many nights I walked past my parents' room and I heard them praying for me. Can I share with you, when I heard them praying for me, the Holy Spirit sometimes dealt with me because sometimes I was in a rebellious state. God was dealing with my parents, and they were praying, Lord, protect him. Lord, deal with him. Lord, use him. Lord, speak to him. They didn't know everything within my life. They still prayed for me. And I'm standing here today because many people prayed for me, and I've seen the faithfulness of God. Can I share with you, it's time for our church and us as a people to get serious about prayer. Lord, we do thank you this morning. Lord, I pray that you would help us. Lord, that you would guide us and direct us. Lord, we need you. Lord, we as a, a society and many Christians, Lord, we are, we are, we're, Lord, we're so lazy in prayer. Lord, we catch glimpses of what you could do, but Lord, we haven't bought into these things. Lord, we need you this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would help us and guide us, Lord, that you direct us. Lord, that you'd bring us to the end of ourselves and help us to realize that you have something big for us. Lord, that you desire to work in us and through us and for us. Lord, bring us to our knees often. Help us to pray, to get serious about these things. And we'll thank you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.